Greetings, and welcome to A Voice for the Voiceless, a podcast about endangered species. I'm your host, Jenny Sisler, coming to you on Sunday, July 17th, 2022, from beautiful Sunderland, Massachusetts. I thought we would start our discussion of individual species with one that is near to my heart, and I'm sure near to the hearts of some of my listeners, the mountain bongo. Uh, The mountain bongo is an Eastern African antelope, which lives in a very specific ecosystem in the forests around Mount Kenya. It does not exist anywhere in the wild other than Kenya. And it is a critically endangered species. There, are, At the last census count, there were fewer than 100 in the wild. And this is due to decades of poaching for bushmeat and also due to the fact that as people began farming around Mount Kenya and bringing their domesticated herds into these formerly strictly wild places, these herds of cattle gave the bongo diseases that they were not exposed to before in much the same way that Europeans gave smallpox to natives in North America. And disease has taken its toll on the bongo population in Kenya as well. Um, And they're very enigmatic, beautiful creatures. Um, Fortunately, as we will discuss here in the next few minutes, the rewilding process has been going very well, but this was a creature that was on the brink of extinction no more than, say, 20 years ago. So what is a mountain bongo? Well, they're a nocturnal antelope. And, you know, they've been seen grazing at dusk, but for the most part, they are nocturnal. They are, I guess, a moderate size for an antelope. They are between three and a half and four and a half feet tall and are between about seven and ten feet long. Um, They're a very interesting looking creature because they are beautiful chestnut red, but they have 12 to 15 vertical stripes, vertical white stripes on their body which act as camouflage and they have relatively large ears for the size of their head which means they have very good hearing Um, but the most interesting physical feature of a bongo as far as i'm concerned is they have two they they have spiral shaped horns both the male and female usually in an antelope species only the male has horns but in the mountain bongo the males and females have horns and they can be up to three feet long um and they're made out of keratin like most body parts on animals that um are particularly large and would be very unwieldy if they were solid um the bongo couldn't even hold its head up if it didn't have hollow horns but they're made out of keratin, which is basically like a human fingernail. It's the same thing as a rhino horn. It's the same thing as a pangolin scale. Um, and bongos actually are extraordinarily shy, elusive creatures. They live solitary lives with the males and females only seeking each other out at mating time. Um, unlike most antelope species where males get very territorial with each other over females, uh, The bongos don't really. They just kind of pick their female, do their thing, and move on. They don't fight each other over the females. Uh, They don't get territorial with the females the way other antelope species do. Um, 
it's not like they're trying to mark their territory or anything. They just come together to mate and then go on about their lives. Um, and after mating season, the gestation period for a bongo is nine and a half months. And of course, they only give birth to single calves. Um, and when a baby is born, the female will give birth in a very dense part of the forest to hide her, her baby. And then she'll keep coming back to it for a couple of weeks to feed it, to nurse it. And then after that first couple of weeks, the baby is strong enough to join the herd. And then six weeks later, it's fully weaned. And then it goes on and it lives its own solitary life. Um, uh, they are very shy and elusive, as I mentioned, and in the wild, if it weren't for us humans doing bad things and messing things up for them, their primary predators would be lions, hyenas, and other big cats. Um, so their defense mechanism is when they know they're being chased, they run, they just tear into the forest as fast as they can, and when they get sufficiently hidden, they turn their back to the predator that's chasing them because their rear end is actually better camouflaged than their front end. So, and then they just stand still. And eventually the predators lose sight of them, can't find them and go on their way and the bongo lives to find another day. Um, now, they don't have scent glands. Usually an antelope will track each other. They track each other by pheromones and have scent glands, but the mountain bongo doesn't. And the way they actually keep track of each other and where the rest of the herd is, is that their fur pigment rubs off on the foliage. So that's how they keep track of others in the woods. But the only problem is their predators can track them that way too. So it's not the best, it's not the best system for keeping track of others of your kind if the predators that want to kill you and have you for dinner can follow you that way too, but that's the way life goes for a mountain bongo when they're allowed to live undisturbed in the forest. But like I said, sadly, they're critically endangered and it's because humans have hunted them for bushmeat for about the past 40 or 50 years. But the good news is, and this is, this is very good news, they are now rewilding bongos into the Moingo Sanctuary, which is at the base of Mount Kenya. Um, in March of this year, the Kenya Wildlife Service released five into the wild. And the very coolest thing, and the reason I said this is an animal near and dear to my heart, is the five that were released in March were direct descendants of the captive breeding program that William Holden started back in the 70s. Um, and to give you a little bit of background about his involvement, You've heard me mention before that he was a big game hunter because that's what you did when you were a rich, well-off white guy in the 50s in Hollywood. You went on safari. And if you were any good as a hunter, you tried to bag the big five. Um, and, of course, he had his epiphany after he killed an antelope. It wasn't a bongo, but he had killed an antelope that reminded him so much of Audrey Hepburn, who he had been in love with at the time, that he vowed he was never going to hunt again. So in 1964, he and his business partner, Don Hunt, bought um, a, it was about over 1,200 acres of land that surrounded the Mount Kenya Safari Club, which was the place where they had spent a lot of time when they were safari hunters. And they bought the land from Jim and Betty Ann Nicholson. They were an elderly uh, ranch couple who 
you know, they were just too old to ranch anymore and were giving up the lifestyle. So they sold their property to the two of them. And they created the Mount Kenya Game Ranch out of that property. And pretty much from the beginning, uh, Bill and Don wanted to create breeding programs that could help repopulate the species of Kenya's most endangered wildlife. And he did a lot of work with gravy zebras. Um, he did a lot of work with giraffes. But the very first species he worked with was the mountain bongo. And as they brought the bongo to the um, to the game ranch, eventually they, it was, they were doing so well with the captive breeding that they were doing there that they ended up with so many animals they couldn't take care of all of them. So what they did was they sent some of them to reserves in other parts of Africa and sent some to zoos in America. And there are still zoos in America that have bongos that were the descendants of the ones that Bill and Don sent to the States in the 70s. One of these zoos is the Denver Zoo. They have eight bongo in captivity there that they are using uh, for the breeding program. Um, two were born this year. One was born in early March and one was born in late March. They only have one adult male and one adult female. Um, and the adult female was born April 20th, 2015. So sadly, she's named Columbine because she was born on the anniversary of the Columbine massacre. But um, there's, there's eight, I believe there's th three females and five males. And like I said, they just had two born in March. And the five that were released into the sanctuary in Kenya were direct descendants of the original captive breeding program and the um, Kenyan Wildlife Service and the Mount Kenya uh, Wildlife Conservancy hope to release another five by the end of the year. And then they hope that each subsequent year to release 10 a year. And their hope is that by the year 2050, they will have 750 bongo in the wild at this game reserve, um, which would be an amazing step up because right now I believe the number is 94 in the wild. So if in the next 30 some years they could increase the numbers to 750, they would be, I would assume they would probably be moved to the threatened list and not no longer be on the endangered list. Um, so, the Kenyan Wildlife Service is also working with the William Holden uh, Wildlife Foundation, which is the educational branch of the Game Ranch and the Conservancy, to work with local communities for tree planting. Because as well as the uh, poaching for bushmeat and the diseases that were introduced by loss of habitat, um, Deforestation is also a problem because these animals need very, very thick, dense forests to live in. Um, that's their habitat and that's where they need to be. And with the deforestation that's gone on in Kenya, they, they have lost quite a bit of their habitat over the past 30 to 40 years. And so the um, goal is to replant 
as many trees as possible so that the forests can rewild as well as the populations of bongos. So I, when must have, oh, Stephanie was in, she was in Kenya in late May, early June, and she was working with some student groups planting trees. And that is just as important as encouraging these bongo to breed in captivity and then encouraging them to be uh, less and less dependent on humans for their well-being so that they can be released. And, you know, this is an example of a success story so far. And, of course, we have to work to educate people on why they need to protect these animals instead of seeing them as trophies or exotic dinners. But that's why the education center exists. William Holden knew that he wanted to repopulate the species of these animals, give them a fighting chance. But what, what chance are you giving them if you don't educate people on why they shouldn't hurt them? You know, I mean, you're, if you're just re-releasing animals into the wild and you're not teaching the uh, local communities why these animals are an important part of the ecosystem, you might as well not bother. So, um, and he had always dreamed of creating an education component to what he was doing. Just tragically, he passed away before he could see that dream through to fruition which is why Stephanie created the William Holden Wildlife Foundation Education Center. And, you know, she's been working with these kids, teaching them about these animals, and then teaching them about the importance of planting trees. And with programs like this, the bongo stands a fighting chance. And it's all due to William Holden's desire to protect the beauty of his adopted country. I truly believe had he lived longer and when he retired from Hollywood, he probably would have moved to Kenya full time. I honestly think that had he not died as tragically young as he did, that he would have probably just become a US, a US expat in Kenya and he would have lived there full time because he loved it there. He was entranced by the beauty of the country and its people and its animals. And I think he would be very proud of Stephanie and all those who have helped her make this program a success. And that's why I wanted to start with this animal, the mountain bongo. And hopefully there will be other species that have the same support and success. I do know that there have been because I've been reading ahead and doing research for future podcasts. So not everything is going to be doom and gloom about possibility of extinction. There are a lot of programs in the world that are doing amazing things and they need our support. They need us. It's got to be grassroots. You know, we can't all be feet on the ground in Kenya planting trees or, you know, teaching people about the bongos, but we can support the people who do. And that's why I wanted to start with this amazing animal and this very heartwarming story that things are looking up. Things are looking up, but we have to keep moving forward, and that's why I wanted to start this podcast in the first place. You know, we can't protect what we don't understand, and if we give in to feeling that it's hopeless or too late, then nothing will get done. So thank you very much for listening, and I will not be around next week. Um, the last minute little vacation planned, but I will be back on the... 31st with another amazing creature and story of resilience to share with you. Thank you for listening.